Welcome to the Happy With Yourself podcast. I'm your host, Becky Smith. Many of us have good lives, the lives we've always wanted, but we still feel frustrated and unhappy with ourselves. You deserve to value, appreciate, and accept you right now, exactly as you are. Whether it's life coaching tools, learning from others, or sharing my experiences, I'm here to help you be happy with yourself. Hello, hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm going to try something a little different. In the past, I've told you that I have discovered a new editing software. So I've decided to go back to some of the older episodes and edit them. Just clean them up, make them a little nicer for your listening pleasure. I wanted to present them to you all polished and shiny and new, but I also wanted you to listen to them with a different ear. Maybe focus on a different part of the episode or of the podcast. So today I have on Brooke Snow and she is talking about how to improve your prayers with meditation. But in this conversation, the first way she says to improve our prayers is breath to concentrate on our breathing, to take deep breaths. She instructs us on how to do that. As you listen, focus on this part of her instructions, this part of the episode. Breath is something that we don't often think about. It's vital to our existence, but we just do it all the time and don't consider what the benefits of it or what it could do to improve our lives. Since now I am a practicing yoga teacher, breath has become even more significant to me. I have learned that breath has the power to calm your entire nervous system Breath has the power to change your state of mind. So breath is very important. As you're listening to this, I want you to take a nice, big, deep breath in through your nostrils. Hold the breath for a count of four. Then release it for a count of six. Do that again. Inhale through the nose for a count of four. Then hold. Release for a count of six. Take note of how you feel. Just that simple exercise can really change the way you feel. So listen, listen when she talks about the breath. And think of how you can incorporate that into your prayers, into your life, and be happy with yourself. So without further ado, let's listen in on my conversation with Brooke Snow. 
I do think somehow in the LDS culture that we're afraid of meditation. We think it's woo-woo. We think it's a different religion. We don't understand it. There's so much misconception out there about it. The way you linked it with a prayer was just eye-opening for me. I wanted you to be able to share that. So you can start wherever you would like to about just your philosophy about meditation and prayer. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. I love being able to teach people about meditation and especially how it relates to prayer. I would say most of my audience are members of the church. What you just said, you know, about all of the, maybe the myths or the different ideas of way we can think about meditation, especially in our culture where we don't use that word necessarily very often, but it is a really beautiful practice that is so fitting for our own life. And it is so fitting within the doctrine of what we believe and what we teach as well. Sometimes we just need to look at it a little bit differently. Just and a different language, right? Yeah. Like it's yeah. in our doctrine. It is there. <laughs> it is very much there. In fact, a really great book came out recently published by Desert Book called The Power of Stillness. It has four authors, so I'm not going to try and remember every single one of those authors right now, but Power of Stillness, they do an amazing job of being able to take meditation and putting it into the LDS language that. and vernacular. That's a really great place to start. It's also focuses a lot on mindfulness. So what I love to do is be able to bridge the gap between meditation and prayer. So there's a, a few ways that I like to do that. Usually I like to start with my basic three principles of what we can do to make our prayers more meditative. The first one is breath. Breath is amazing. If you look at Genesis chapter one, when God is creating the world, he creates Adam and Eve. What do we read about? When does life actually enter his body? He breathed into his nostrils, the breath of life. And that is when Adam's spirit comes into his body. And there is so much amazing doctrine about breath. I could talk forever just about that. But one of my greatest spirituality hacks, <laughs> like we have life hacks. This is a spirituality hack. Yeah. If you want to improve your prayers, if you want to improve your personal revelation, if you want to improve your scripture study, anything like that, breathe. It's easy. It's free. <laughs> And it, it's amazing what it can do in bringing us into the present moment. My instruction for people with breath is to take a deep breath, fill your diaphragm, your belly up with air and to breathe in through the nose if possible. I know we can have a cold or other physical problems that might limit that, but if possible, breathe in through the nose and out through the nose. If you're listening to the podcast, maybe we could do a little breath together, yes. <laughs> like breathe in through the nose and out through the nose. Even one breath right there can do amazing things for helping us move from maybe a fight or flight state into something that is more calm. Maybe it can help us move from having anxious thoughts and being really in our head and worrying about things to all of a sudden being right now in the present. Taking that concept into prayer, if I would invite anyone to just spend even three breaths. That's like my like basic starting point is spend time doing just three deep breaths in and out through the nose before you pray. If that is all you change about your prayers, you will absolutely notice a difference. Mm. 
we've started doing this even as a family. We don't do it every single time, but we do it often. It's amazing to me how it even changes my kids. If it's my son's turn to say the prayer and he's 10 years old, <laughs> if he, and he'll lead people, he'll, he'll say, all right, take a deep inhale through the nose, <laughs> exhale through the nose. Just a couple of breaths like that, his voice will change. All of a sudden I hear in the tone of his voice, he's thinking about what he's saying right now. He's not just rushing through some script, all the rehearsed things that we say every time we say the prayer on the food or every time we like say the prayer before bed or in the morning or whatever it is. I can tell he's actually taking the time to think about it, which is a quality of being present, right? So that is a huge spirituality hack right there is just taking the time to breathe. And any Eastern study of meditation that you do, it starts with breath. That is where you are supposed to bring your attention to so that you can be present. I think about the struggles I've had with prayer itself in the past. A lot of it is right here and just not being present. I feel like mm. I'm not connecting. I don't know if anyone's listening <laughs> and um, just taking the time to calm down, to get out of my head, get back into my body can do amazing things right there for increasing the feeling of connection and to be calm and to actually be thinking about what I'm saying. Now you had a pretty dramatic experience with this, with the breath, right? That taught you. Would you mind telling us that experience? Yeah. Um, I have a very deep appreciation for breath specifically. In June, 2014, I had a baby. Everything went great in the morning. <laughs> and then that evening, 10 hours later, I was still in the hospital. I had some nurses that came in to just help assist me into walking into the bathroom to go to the bathroom before bed, just get ready for sleeping for the night. I didn't even make it all the way into the bathroom before all of a sudden I felt really nauseous. And I said, I think we're going to throw up. I don't remember anything that happened after that. So apparently I collapsed on the floor and I started to seizure. When I awoke, I'm on the floor and I have even more nurses around me, very concerned. They're asking me all sorts of questions like, what is your name? What is your birthday? Do you know why you're here? I couldn't answer their questions because I couldn't speak and I couldn't speak because I couldn't breathe. The reason I couldn't breathe was because I had just experienced a pulmonary embolism. Mm. I didn't know what that word was until afterwards. <laughs> what that means is a blood clot in the lungs. Blood clots can be caused by pregnancy, weight gain, surgery, swelling. I had all four of those. <laughs> I had, had a C-section. It was just the perfect environment to have a blood clot happen. And I actually had nine. There were nine blood clots in my wow. lungs. It was extremely life or death moment. Uh, after I came to that first time, I immediately blacked out again. The next time that I came to, I was on a hospital bed and there was a doctor working with me. The first words that I remember him saying are, I need your verbal consent to perform this procedure. You may not live, but I have to have your permission to do it. Ooh. And I just nod my head. I couldn't even speak. At that point, I had a mask over my mouth and nose, an oxygen mask pumping, and I should just say firing oxygen into my body to be able to sustain my life and help me breathe. I later found out that the amount of oxygen was 20 liters. That basically is like a fire hose. Yeah. <laughs> 
just blasting into my body, helping me to sustain life while everything was so difficult. It was soon determined that my little small town rural hospital was not equipped to be able to help me. They scheduled a life flight helicopter to be able to come and get me. But to make it even more dramatic, <laughs> there was this crazy summer storm that happened that night that prevented the helicopter from actually making it to the hospital. There's a canyon that it has to fly through. They decided I would ride in an ambulance through the canyon and I would meet the helicopter there. And then from there, we would drive the rest of the way to this inner city hospital. <laughs> so I remember getting into the ambulance. My dad and my husband gave me a priesthood blessing. And all I could think about this whole time, I don't even remember really panicking. There wasn't room to panic because the only thing that I could think about was inhale and exhale. That was the most important thing that I could do. There, my every, you know, when you're in that fight or flight place, parts of your body and your mind just shut down because it has one job to do. That was my one job, breathe. That is it. So that's all I did. I just focused on inhale, exhale. We get to the helicopter and in changing over from the ambulance to the helicopter, they have to change the oxygen supply. I just mentioned we had 20 liters of oxygen. Well, the EMT shouts at the pilot. She's, she needs 20 liters of oxygen. And the pilot fires back. He's, we don't have 20 liters. We only have 15. So what that means is that this fire hose intensity of oxygen is going to go down and it's going to decrease in power and supply. I knew I'm already having a hard time breathing right now. If I don't have this level, we're done. I get into the helicopter. They switch over my supply. It, and it really goes to show what a tender mercy it actually was that that storm came, you know, that I didn't have to go as long in the helicopter with that small supply of oxygen that could have very well helped to save my life. But anyway, I switch over to the 15 liters of oxygen and it was so drastically not enough mm. that all of a sudden I can't breathe at all. <laughs> the EMT, just like in the movies, she's shouting at me. She's like, stay with us, Brooke, stay with us, Brooke. All my vital signs are just dropping. And I, I, I don't know what to do, right? I, I had one job and it's to breathe and it's not working out very well. <laughs> Instantly in that moment, a phrase manifested into my mind. That phrase was Christ is the breath of life. I just instinctively knew that I needed to repeat that phrase on every struggling inhale and exhale. So I try to take a breath in, inhale, Christ is the breath of life. Exhale, Christ is the breath of life. Inhale, Christ is the breath of life. Exhale, Christ is the breath of life. And truly, a miracle happened. And I remember the EMT saying, I can't believe what's happening. She is stabilizing. This is truly a miracle. The flight was seven minutes. By the time I got to the hospital, they put me in the emergency room, they check all my vital signs, and they switched over my oxygen level to two liters. And I was okay. There's so many amazing things right there. And I'm so grateful for Western medicine and all the nurses and doctors and emergency people that helped me. And of course, priesthood blessing and prayers of my family and all of that plays a part. 
also, I know that the significant moment between life or death for me was right there in the helicopter. And, you know, it's interesting because that was a really spiritual experience for my life. Yet, I didn't fully understand what had actually happened. Not everything was perfect right after that either. For the next year and a half, I actually struggled a lot with anxiety. I struggled with PTSD. Uh, I would see a helicopter fly in the sky and instantly I would be back in the helicopter myself and I couldn't breathe. And it was like flashbacks. I'd have these flashbacks. I'd have nightmares. I'd have panic attacks. I really struggled with mental illness. And it got to a point where I... I'm concerned about my daily life. I am not being a good mother right now. I am so short fused. I'm super reactive. I'm screaming at my family and my kids. It all felt so out of my control. I'm like, I should be grateful. I'm alive. Like I was miraculously saved. Why can't I just be calm and nice and peaceful and live this good life? And yet it seemed like so many problems were happening because of that. And I was sharing this with my sister one day and she said, have you ever considered meditation as a way to deal with what you're going through right now? I had those same thoughts that you described at the opening of the podcast. That's weird. And that's not part of our culture. Sometimes when you're in a place of total desperation, you're willing to try things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was open to it and she had found a class that was this little meditation 40 day challenge. So she said she'd do it with me immediately. I noticed a difference. I started to feel more calm. I started to feel more in control of my emotions and my responses and being able to choose a better response than just being temperamental. And, <laughs> and did you make the connection that, oh, what I was doing in the helicopter was meditation? No. So okay. I'll tell you how that happened. I did not make the connection for a year and a half. I had got into meditation and I started doing yoga and both of those things were amazing tools for me. Such a difference. Because of that, I was super interested in learning more. I signed up for a yoga retreat, a yoga and meditation retreat, and it was five days long. And it was like on day four, I was sharing my story that I just shared with you with one of the yoga teachers. Mm -hmm. In that moment, all of a sudden, it was like the light bulb went off and I realized, oh my goodness, the Lord gave me a mantra and he told me to recite it on the breath and it saved my life. Yeah, <laughs> Like I didn't make the connection until much later because of that, all of a sudden it was, I need to know more. And this is, I am so committed to this. It saved my life before I even knew about it, before I understood anything about mm -hmm. meditation and mantra and breath and all of that. It helped me. What can it do for my life now that I actually can be conscious and aware of this tool? How can I use this in all of my everyday experiences? I may not be in a helicopter, not able to breathe, but I can certainly be in life, unable to breathe, overwhelmed, stressed out, dealing with problems and things that arise. Figuratively, there are many moments that we find ourselves in that same high pressure and that same tool can help us be able to navigate all of those experiences. What's your second principle? The breath was the first one. Yeah. So breath is our first one. And the second one is posture. This is something that I picked up because of studying meditation and yoga. It's really interesting because in yoga, it's really important to have an open posture. You yeah. sit with a straight back, you have your chest wide open so that you're 
heart can be open. And part of the reason of even having a straight back is so the breath can flow freely. Mm. This was so interesting to me as it compared to the cultural practice of prayer. What do we usually do when we pray? What is the posture? Yeah. yeah it's to close up. You cross your arms across your body. You fold your arms and then you hunch over, yeah. you bow your head, you get small. It is drastically different yeah. than that posture that of just being posture. open. I, I made that switch in my personal prayers. I think it's really important when you pray to be comfortable. For me, kneeling is not very comfortable for a long period of time. <laughs> my legs will go to sleep. For me, I just sit cross-legged with my back supported. I will sit on the floor and sit up next to a couch or something like that. I have my palms up and I just rest them on my thighs and I just make sure that I'm open. I feel like there's such symbolism there too. I am open to receiving revelation from God right now. I'm not closing myself up to that. And I wonder, why do we do this? What's the cultural like reason behind yeah. this? Like, and Have you found it? Why? Well, you know, I've done a little bit of research. Part of the research comes from the Bible dictionary entry on prayer, and it talks about posture there. And it specifically calls out the posture of the Old Testament. And it says that people would pray with their arms extended to heaven. If you look at that, it is open. It is very open, right? Chest open, arms open, hands open. I, I love that that was part of the Old Testament posture like that. Mm -hmm. I, I hesitate on being quoted on this exactly, but from my research, it shows that a lot of the tradition of just fold your arms, bow your head, some of it's traced back to the Catholic um, tradition or the Protestant tradition mm -hmm. of trying to, to get children to be quiet, to <laughs> stop wiggling, like the yeah. pretzel. I don't know if you know the history of the actual pretzel, you know, the design of a pretzel. Yeah. It was to teach the kids to fold their arms, oh. <laughs> but just in the Catholic or Protestant tradition, that was just something that was picked up. And then you have the restoration of the church, but a lot of people came from that background from of a Protestant tradition. tradition and just continued that same posture of prayer. I don't think there is any doctrinal significance of fold your arms, bow your head, <laughs> like, yeah, it's however, so but it is called out specifically in the Bible dictionary that the open posture was part of the old Testament experience. Yeah, I was talking to a friend who is of another faith came to our church because her husband belongs to our church and she had such a hard time with the arms folded and the head bowed. I hadn't even thought of it before. She's like, that's so closed off. She's yeah. like, and if you were talking to somebody and they bowed their head and closed off their arms, you would think they weren't interested in the conversation. She's like, in my faith, we open wide and we talk to the heaven. And I was like, oh, and that's the first time I'd ever contemplated that. So it's really interesting that you would point that out. Well, it will feel different. When I teach people about this, I say, if all you change is the breath and all you change is your posture, again, you will notice a difference. Talking about private personal prayer time, right? To just take a few breaths and to be open, to consider the posture of hands. Instead of hands outstretched like the Old Testament, that too can get tiring to yeah. hold up for a long time. <laughs> and so I just bring it down and, and rest palms up on my thighs just because I can sustain that in a comfortable way for longer, but it will feel different. Like you breathe, you're going to feel present. You're in this other posture and you're like, 
oh, I can receive now. I am opened up. That's another small change that you can make with your prayers that automatically will help them to feel more of that meditative experience so that you're opening yourself to receive revelation. Mm -hmm. So my third tip for making prayers more meditative is forgiveness. When I teach meditation, I have a meditation class that I teach. We start with a mantra meditation and a mantra, just like the helicopter, Christ is the breath of life. I actually start with a different mantra for my class. The mantra I use is I love and accept you. And then you state your name. And this is another favorite mantra of mine. I feel like it's really powerful and foundational to our experience. Last time that we talked on another episode, we talked about comparison and being able to constantly remind myself, I love and accept you, Brooke. You are okay. (laughs) Even if you can. Just that mantra is where we start with learning how to meditate. And something inevitably will happen with a mantra meditation. And that is your mind will drift. Mm. You will not be able to just only think about this one thing. I'm just going to inhale. I love and accept you. Exhale. I love and accept you. And then all of a sudden I'll be thinking, what is for lunch today? And did (laughs) I finish like that project I was working on? Oh, right, right, right. I love and accept you. Like this is normal. This is the normal experience, even with experienced meditators is that your mind gets off, like your mind will start to drift. And so the reason that forgiveness is my third tip is because what do you do when that happens? When you start to notice that your mind is totally taken a different direction, what do you do? You forgive yourself, you come back and you begin again. A really great analogy I'd love to relate this to is that I've heard and taught in meditation classes before is you imagine that you're on a park bench and there are lots of cars that are driving by (laughs) and then you happen to get in one of those cars and you go driving down the street and those cars represent our thoughts. We can have lots of thoughts that are just driving by, but sometimes we get in the car, we go with that thought and we're gone. We're not on the park bench anymore. So what do you do? You forgive yourself, come back, and you begin again. And I think the important thing to remember here is we don't meditate to get good at meditation. We meditate to get good at life. So what are all of the ways that I can use this in regular life? I'm having a conversation with my husband, and he's talking to me, and all of a sudden, I am not listening anymore. I may be looking at him, right? Yeah. <laughs> But I'm thinking about lunch. I think about lunch a lot, right? <laughs> like, I'm thinking about, did I get this thing done? Or what is this problem that I'm dealing with? So when I notice that I am drifting and I'm not present anymore, I forgive myself. I come back and I begin again. I come back and I open myself up and I'm listening to him again. Or maybe I'm working on a new habit, a new skill, or I have a goal and I have a mess up. I have a mistake. I didn't do my best. What do I do? I forgive myself. I come back and I begin again. Or maybe I lose my temper with my kids or I go into comparison or something like that. Once I notice, oh, I did this, I forgive myself. I come back and I begin again. So I think it becomes a really powerful practice when we can realize all the ways that it helps us in every single part of life 
to forgive ourselves, to come back and to begin again. Like nobody makes perfect progress. We don't progress in a straight line. We don't even progress on this perfect angle. It's more like a spiral. It's like one step forward, two steps back, a couple steps forward. And the important part is the coming back. It's that turn. Like that's what we define repentance as. LDS Bible Dictionary says repentance is a new view of yourself, God, and the world. It's a change. It's a change of heart, mind, and breath that you just come back and you begin again. Like you reorient, you turn around and you face God again and you resume. (laughs) You start again. I look at that just with my prayers. How many prayers have I said in the past where I totally got distracted? I totally had my mind drift. It doesn't matter if it's a mantra or if I'm saying my evening prayer or even if I'm blessing the food or somebody else is blessing the food. can totally get off. I think of how many times that experience happened and I would just get embarrassed or I'd be like, oh, well, and I would just finish and go on with the next thing. What could I have received if I had forgiven myself and come back? How many times did I just never return? Those three things, breathe, posture, and forgiveness are amazingly simple, powerful things that we can integrate immediately into our prayers. Not much has to change, but those are subtle yet extremely powerful tools that can dramatically improve and enhance our personal prayer experience. Thank you so much, Brooke. That was so great. I really appreciate you being here. Hey, thank you. It's been a pleasure. I'm always excited to be able to share these things. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. Just to highlight Brooke's three-step process to improve your prayers with Christian meditation, start with the breath, inhaling through the nose and exhaling out the nose. Number two, posture, sitting up tall and straight. And number three, forgiveness. As your mind starts to drift, Forgive yourself and come back. And if you would like help implementing this style of meditation into your life and into your daily self-care, send me a DM or click on my calendar in the show notes and I would love to do a session with you and help you to just breathe. So once again, my friends, thank you so much for listening and bye for now. Everyone deserves to be happy with themselves. Share this episode with a friend. Leave a review so others can find the podcast. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button.